I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. You know why? It's hurricane season. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, your host and beat writer for The Athletic, covering the Miami Hurricanes. New episode today. We're gonna we got a lot to discuss, uh, including the beginning of spring practice last week, uh, as well as the Under Armour All American Camp that took place at North Broward Prep High School here in South Florida. Uh, we're bringing on a different guest today. We've got uh, some of the similar crew, but I want to first introduce uh, Gabby Uhrutia an FIU student who is also uh, the beat writer for State of the U, the blog. Uh, He's a co-host with the Storm Surge pod, and he also uh, is the host on Slam Radio of the Calm Before the Storm. So Gabby's an FIU student, but he is covering the Canes, and he knows the Canes well. And he was with me Sunday at this Under Armour All-American camp. Gabby, uh, you and I were out there filming a lot of these guys, looking at a lot of the the 2021 recruiting targets that Miami uh, was looking at, including – Guys that are committed, uh, they had five out there that were commitments. Lawrence Seymour, Miami Central, offensive lineman. Thad Franklin, the running back from Chaminade. Michael McLaughlin, the uh, new offensive tackle they picked up from Douglas last week. Savion Collins, who's been a commitment for a long time out of Miami Palmetto, the defensive tackle. And then Ja'Cory Hammond, the linebacker from Miami Northwestern. I'm curious, man, you know, you and I were out there looking at the offensive lineman and defensive lineman matchup quite a bit. What were your thoughts uh, just on the on the day overall, and and what th- maybe some of those Miami commitments looked like. Yeah, I, there was a ton of talent out there uh, on Sunday, and you know, just I guess just from a Miami perspective, I think that, I mean, I think that Savion Collins probably stood stood out a lot just from the interior defensive line. You can kind of see how he's going to be a problem at like in the next level of college football. He definitely looks impressive physically. And he's somebody that if Miami is able to keep in the fold, uh, I think that he's someone that's going to be able to contribute. Uh, Lawrence Seymour was really, really impressive from the interior offensive line. I mean, I just thought like he was, I thought he did a really, really good job with just his technique with his hands. I thought he was very physical. Uh, You can definitely see why Miami's excited about him. I mean, they got on him very early, probably earlier than anybody else. And you're kind of starting to see a couple of the, of the bigger, the bigger boys starting to jump on now. Like Georgia's just recently offered him. So that's definitely going to be interesting to see how how that recruitment continues to go. And then uh, Michael McCaughlin, I, I feel like um, he's somebody that that I think everyone kind of realizes it's kind of a project. Uh, his frame is obviously very impressive. Uh, he looks legit 6'7", definitely a, maybe a little bit, probably a little bit thin. I think he came from playing the tight end and defensive line, if I remember correctly. So he's definitely still working out a lot of the stuff like in regards to I guess pass pro and just like kind of like being a left tackle. I think that there's still a lot to work on there with him. And, but you, you definitely have to be intrigued by his size. And I think that that's why, my, uh, that's why people in general are excited about him. He's a, he's a pretty much a consensus four star kid and two, four, seven has him, has him ranked uh, pretty highly as well. So you have to be a little bit excited there for sure. And Thad Franklin, uh, Thad Franklin came in, not even supposed, he wasn't even really expected to, to compete. And he got, I guess he got talked into competing and, you know, he made a really, really good play in, and they were running like uh, these wheel routes and he made a really good play with St. Thomas Aquinas linebacker, Jaden Hood, who ended up getting a, an invite to the Under Armour All-American game. He made a catch over him in coverage. So, I mean, I definitely liked what I saw out of, out of Thad Franklin and overall I was pretty impressed with the Miami guys. Um, Ja'Cory Hammett, 
you kind of saw the quickness off the edge more he did a lot more like edge work rather than like i guess linebacker outside linebacker work which is i guess my where miami likes him best but i mean there's definitely some promise there um overall i thought there was just a, a, a lot of talent and you know, there was definitely other guys that stood out to me as well. But as as far as the Miami guys go, I think that I think that they kind of held their own there. I mean, other than McCaughlin that struggled a little bit, I thought that they all did a pretty good job out there holding their own. Yeah, and one and one guy that we saw that I thought was really impressive, uh, obviously is a big Miami target, is Ryan Rodriguez. And you know, he's a guy that that's heavy uh, on their want list. Uh, visited there last Thursday when we were out there at practice. Saw him saw him walking around talking to the coaches. And he's, he obviously has the Hurricanes in very high regard. And then he went out there and he really played well. Uh, I think, you know, he, there's only really one guy who beat him. And, and that was the kid out of Miami Palmetto, who's, who's a five-star defensive tackle, Leonard Taylor, um, you know, who, who Miami wants as well. And, and, you know, I wrote a whole story sort of leading um, with that whole matchup because uh, Ryan did a good job standing him up the first time. And then the second time Leonard got him with, you know, with a bull rush. Um, but Ryan Rodriguez is a really interesting prospect, and and to me, he's just as good, maybe if not better, than Lawrence Seymour from what I saw on Sunday. Yeah, Ryan Rodriguez really impressed me, and me being uh, like I went to high school in Westchester. I went to high school right pretty much right across the street from from Columbus at, at Florida Christian. So like when I think of a Columbus offensive lineman, you know, like I'm not thinking of a of a six three interior line. I just think of like you know kind of a kid that kind of makes the offense go through. You know, like I never really picture Columbus as a as one of these schools that produces these type these types of talents that they've really been putting out in these last couple of years. So when I saw Ryan Rodriguez physically, he just he really looked the part. I mean, at least to me, I didn't expect him to be that that tall. Just me having that perception of of Columbus uh, football players. And so he, I was really intrigued to see how he was. It was the first time I was, I, I'd actually, I, I mean, personally, I'd physically seen him in person and definitely the first time I'd seen him compete. And I was really blown away. Like, I, I really felt like he was, he was, ar- I think, arguably the best offensive lineman there at the camp. Um, he really did hold his own. He did hold uh, Leonard Taylor that first time. The second time he got the best of him. But, you know, when you're, you're, you're up against the, I guess arguably the number one defensive tackle in the country and you're really holding your own and of course he's going to beat you you know that's why he's he's ranked that high so just to see him compete the way he did the physicality that he played with um, you know it, it was really really I guess it was a pleasant surprise for me I didn't really know what to expect out of him so I definitely see why Miami likes him. Uh, I think after this weekend, I, I heard a couple of the, actually a couple of the other other guys chirping next to me off one of the reps and talked about how like oh we need to we need to get this kid like uh, a little bump you know like he needs to be ranked a little higher. He, they're just talking about how how impressed they were with him, and so I wouldn't be surprised to maybe in the next couple months while when word gets out about Ryan Rodriguez that you know he starts getting a little bit of bigger offers. Uh, I hope Miami's able to lock him in, in shortly. Like I spoke to him after the camp and. He told me that, you know, he's going to visit Louisville, Wake Forest, but that, you know, he feels really good about Miami. So I'm pretty sure he told, I'm sure he told you the same. I know he told Andrew Ivins the same. And so, you know, hopefully Miami's able to lock him up soon, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a little bit more attention moving forward after that performance. Yeah, no question. And, and you know, he talked to me about wanting to get, you know, some of the big schools to start at, coming after him. He's never been a kid who's received much hype. He mentioned Florida as a school and, Really, that brings me sort of to the bigger discussion, which is, you know, South Florida, you know, you look at, at this recruiting class this year, it's probably one of the strongest they've had. The top five players in the state uh, are all five-star recruits. They're all from Dade and Broward County. 
Um, you know, you have uh, James Williams, the safety, uh, Terrence Lewis, uh, the outside linebacker, Ja'Cory Brooks, the receiver from Miami Booker T. Washington, and then Taylor, and then uh, Jason Marshall, the cornerback from Miami Palmetto. Those are the five five-star guys in the state of Florida. And then you got basically another uh, 50, you know, four-star guys. <clears throat> when you look at Miami's recruiting class last year, they ended up getting uh, eight, you know, Dade, Dade and Broward players, um, including, you know, a few four-star recruits. This class, um, you know, they're in the mix for a lot of these guys. The thing is, you know, I came away from talking to all these players was they really want to see Miami win. You know, going 13-13 and 13 the last couple years, um, you know, as much as you, as you want guys to just want to grow up being Hurricanes, they also want to go to a program that's winning. And so the pressure's really on 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 Miami this season and their recruiting department, um, you know, to, to be able to back it up with wins on the field, you know, because they were able to pull off a, a number 13 ranked recruiting class, according to the 247 composite, despite a six and seven season. I think a lot of that was just because of the relationships they, they built. But the thing I came away with from Sunday was <clears throat> if they're going to get some of these elite kids to stay home, they're going to have to win. And Ryan Rodriguez brought it up himself. He, he, he said the same exact thing. I want to see how they, you know, how they kind of do on the field during the season. So even if he does commit uh, this sometime this spring or sometime this summer to the Hurricanes, his eyes are going to be looking at what happens on the field. And it's the same thing, you know, with other guys. Lawrence Seymour said the same thing. You know, he's got Georgia and, and Florida State and other schools after him now as well. When it comes to that, Gabby, do you – I mean, do you sort of see it the same way that, that winning is going to be pivotal for Miami in this next recruiting class? Yeah, I think that's, I think it's really something to watch this, this upcoming class. Cause I mean, if I'm being honest, I just, the impression I get is that Miami's kind of sitting like, you know, in the back seat with a lot of these kids, you know, like these, these guys, Miami's not really leading for a lot of these top tier kids. I mean, you look at the Palmetto kids, it's not even Leonard Taylor and it's not even Jason Marshall. It's also Corey Collier and, you know, it's Brashard Smith. And it's like a couple of these guys that it's like, a lot of them, they're not really talking about Miami. And I think at the end of the day, that it, it exactly comes down to winning. I mean, these kids have the option to go to state in state and go to a school like Florida. And Florida's been winning like at a very high level. You know, they just they just won the Orange Bowl. You know, they're a very highly ranked team. They gave LSU a run for their money. I mean, there's a lot that Miami's competing with right now. And when on the flip side, if you're looking at a program that just lost to FIU at Marlins Park on the grounds of the Orange Bowl, it's like, you know, you, you could definitely see how these kids just aren't going to be infatuated by Miami right now. I mean, it, it's uh, it just seems like a pretty obvious, a pretty, a pretty obvious deal, like deal breaker for, for these highly touted recruits to have the opportunity to go to a Florida or to go to a Georgia or to go to Alabama or Clemson or all these schools that come down to South Florida kind of kind of trying to snag all these South Florida studs away from the, the Miamis, the Floridas and all that. So I think at the end of the day, Miami's going to have to win. And, you know, they, they've always like, I feel like Manny Diaz has always done a good job kind of selling the program and kind of selling positivity and doing all that. But at the end of the day, you know, the product on the field has to match what they're selling. And, you know, if they're, if they're not winning, then it doesn't really matter like what the quote unquote culture is and how much the culture has changed at the end of the day. Like it needs to be shown. There needs to be something concrete. There needs to be something tangible to refer back to and be like, hey, look, this is actually changing. This is actually getting better. And until that actually happens, I think that Miami is going to continue to kind of feel like they're not in the driver's seat with a lot of these kids. And I think ultimately winning is, is, is going to, is going to be greater than all. I think winning solves everything. And, you know, I, I, on the flip side, you also have to hope that kids aren't going to see that they're just winning now because of the Eric King and, oh, they got the Eric King. So now they're going to win. And then it's like, are they going to be able to win after that? I think that there's still ways that 
that like even a winning season could still be kind of twisted a little bit by other by opposing programs that like maybe negatively recruit Miami to say, oh, well, you know, they had this superstar quarterback that, you know, they got lucky to land and he won them X amount of games if they were to have a good season. And if they didn't, and if they don't have a good season, it's like, wow, even with this kid, they weren't able to win. So why would you want to go over there? So I think that winning really does, is going to impact all, but I think it needs to be more winning consistently. It can't be like they can't have one good year and then, you know, kind of trend back down to seven, six or seven wins and then have another good year. And then it has to be like nine wins and 10 wins and 10 wins. And I think once they start doing that consistently, they're really going to have a fighting chance to land not only a few of these kids, but potentially all of them. And just really get something going down down in Coral Gables. All right. So I, I know we've got a couple of other guys on the line, and, and so far it's just been uh, the Gabby and Manny show. But we're going to bring on Kelvin Harris, the uh, three-time national champion who uh, I know has a lot of uh, thoughts on the matter when it comes to recruiting and these kids and so forth and, and you know maybe the type of attitudes that some of them have. Um we also have my producer, Mike Zimmerman, on, who is a diehard Hurricanes fan. And and before we get to Kelvin, Mike, I'm going to go to you first. Um, you know, I know you keep up with recruiting. You keep up with the program. When you hear uh, what Gabby had to say about winning, when you hear what I had to say about winning um, and, and how some of these recruits, you know, some of the quotes that were in my story from the other day, how they were like, hey, we're not buying into the hype anymore. How nervous does that make you as a Miami fan that, you know, even in their backyard, it's gotten to this point where, Okay, maybe they they pulled in a few kids in the last recruiting class, but this next one they have to win. I I wouldn't say nervous at this point. I would I would have said nervous a couple of years ago, but at this point it's it's kind of been, it's nothing new. It, it's what we've seen the past what four or five years at least that Miami cannot land these guys, and it's it's almost like it, it's it's past the point where my where kids can see how Miami was back in the day and it's like oh I want to bring that back. These kids don't even know what what that was like. So I think that's a big issue and I think what Gabby was saying is you can't just have a good year with with De'Ara King this year and then slide back down to being average uh in the season after. You need you need uh consistent success and that's what's going to uh bring kids and, and and keep them home and at this point we haven't seen that and um, yes, I would say nervous, but I would have said nervous four or five years ago as well. All right, Kelvin, I know you're sitting there and you're probably stewing because you, you know this Hurricanes team is going to be better um, and, and you like what Manny Diaz is doing. Is Are, are we all crazy? Is, is Miami just going to turn this thing around quickly and all these kids are going to buy in once they go 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one this year? Well, all these kids are front runners. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is, but, you know, <laughs> To be honest with you, you know, me and you have had this conversation. I, um, I'm not that, that I guess, stoked on Dade County kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had this conversation. I mean, there's not that many game changers, period, in high school football. Most of these kids are, you know, this is going to sound harsh. Most of these kids are just jags, just guys. And honestly, the recruiting um, people have – boosted most of these kids up to think they're better than what they are and i look at what alabama does they hype these kids up they get them to come and it's a 50 50 thing either you become a first round draft pick or you're gone in a year and we bring somebody else in to take your place and the kids haven't figured it out yet because you know and look i'm just i'm in a bluntly honestly mood Ron Rodriguez is not an Alabama kid. 
He's not a Georgia kid. Um, I can see Florida, but he doesn't really fit. You got to look at the styles of these of these schools. And certain kids, especially linemen, fit certain styles. So I know it sounds good and it feels good to get a Georgia offer. But when you go look at, like, I just got through breaking down Alabama's line. There's no kid down here that fits Alabama's, what they do to recruit. So if a kid goes to Alabama, he'll be back going, looking for somewhere else in a year or two. And if I'm Manny Diaz, I just stay on the path because, you know, to what you said, Gabby, about the quarterback, Oklahoma's had a different quarterback the last three years. So if De'Aaron King does good for us, there's going to be some disgruntled quarterback with talent who's going to want to come here next year. But we got a pretty good quarterback, I think, room, because I think if De'Aaron King gets hurt this year, I think Nikozi can come in from a talent standpoint and carry the load because this offense fits him. And Matoka and Van Dyke, we're good. We're good in the quarterback room. We don't, we, you know, the the weed head's gone. Um, <laughs> the room has changed. The little music kid will be gone too eventually at the end of this, this spring. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like Manny went out and did what he needed to do. He, he, the, the, the most important hire, honestly, for me was Garen Justice. And, you know, Rhett Lashley, Rob Likens, they may come and go, but we need to keep that guy for at least two, three years because the offensive line is where it all starts at. And, you know, you can go to any juvenile detention center and find a guy to run an out route. But to find a left tackle, that's special. So I'm not stressed about any kid in Dade, Broward, Houston, Atlanta, you can find skilled people. We just need to stack linemen and keep quarterbacks. And everything else works itself out. Um, uh, to what you guys are talking about with McLaughlin, he's not a left tackle. But he's taking his lumps. He's going to get better. And when he gets to college, you'll be able to redshirt him. Because, first of all, offensive linemen shouldn't be playing as true freshmen. They should be redshirted. That's the that's what makes Wisconsin so successful. Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State. Um, they redshirt their guys. They try not to play them for two to three years. And when they get on the field, they're ready to go. And, you know, that's what we're trying to get to eventually. We're not quite there yet. Although, I don't see Jalen Rivers. I hope he can play. But it looks like with Zion, um, John Campbell, and number 57, I haven't quite yet started using his name because he <laughs> hasn't, you know. <laughs> but we might have a three-tackle rotation. So that allows us to sit Rivers and play him, you know, in spots and not throw him out there to the Wolves. But as far as the winning part, I agree. We got to win. But – this year, I think, is going to be a turning point, not not just for the program, but for how they recruit. Because if Derrick King stays healthy, we're going to be really, really good. Um, and then you're going to see two other things. Now we're on the radar for every uh, grad transfer who thinks he's got a shot at the pros and who, you know, is looking for a stepping stone. So we're going to get top-of-the-line grad transfers looking at us, and that's probably going to be quarterbacks too. And 
we're stacked at certain positions with young recruits. So you're going to start seeing them. If we have a good season, they're going to start acting a little bit like Alabama in a minute. And they're going to start doing crazy shit to these kids. And some of them are going to take it personal. But the problem is, you know, you've been using Miami as uh, your side piece. And now all of a sudden the side piece is, you know, has come alive and they're not trying to hear that anymore. So I just think we go out and win games. We're going to get recruits. And at some point, reality sets in with all these kids. Because right now, I don't blame these kids for the attention they want to get. Because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But there's going to come a rubber-meets-the-road point where you got to look yourself in the face and say, that program's not for me. This program is for me. You know, for some of these kids, it's not Miami. And they are, they're good with that. But there's also going to come a point where kids are going to think, well, I want to go to Miami. And they're going to say, no, we don't want you. And it's getting to that point now where if this year goes like we think it's going to go with the young talent we have in certain positions, some of these kids' feelings are going to get hurt. Well, I, I was going to transition to that just now before, so we can say goodbye to Gabby because I know he's got a school project to do. He's a student still. He's going to graduate from FIU soon. So we, we want to help him uh, – get get across to his, his project but uh, before we get before i kick it back to you gabby for your final thoughts coming off of um kelvin's point there is a guy i think miami's going to kick to the curb to uh kick to the curb soon and that's savion collins a defensive tackle from miami palmetto um you know i reached out to a couple of my sources and uh basically was told we're still evaluating uh savion collins and you know he hasn't spoken to coaches he told me this uh on on sunday he hasn't spoken to miami coaches since before february and i think he's getting the cold shoulder not just because you know he's he's visiting florida and and flirting with the gators and really wants to go there i think he's getting the cold uh, shoulder because i think in some ways i think the coaching staff doesn't necessarily like him and and obviously they've had uh you know the same pretty much coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball but i think you know they're constantly evaluating guys and they're looking at better options and and one guy who i know they like a lot is alan hay a kid out of uh chaminade a defensive tackle uh who was there sunday alan you know he, he didn't necessarily show out great in the stuff that we saw but you know he's a talent he's a guy who's you know he's about 6'1 296 um and he's the kind of guy that is hungry wants to be a hurricane and it comes back to this whole conflict of Sure, maybe Savion Collins on paper is a better uh, prospect, a better recruit. But in the end, Manny Diaz wants guys who want to be Hurricanes, who aren't going to be a problem, who aren't going to be prima donnas. And so I think this, you know, that that all comes into into play in all this. And, and Miami fans sometimes look at it and say, "Man, why why are we going to get rid of Collins when he's a four star and we're going to take on a three star?" Well, you know what? I think it's there's been a proven track record that it almost doesn't matter anymore what guys are rated because we look at Ryan Rodriguez he's a three star we obviously know he's better than that um, so um, just your final thoughts Gabby on what you came away with Sunday as far as uh, you know player attitudes towards Miami and maybe some you know maybe some predictions of guys you think will end up in this class that that aren't in it right now. So my I guess some of my my thoughts just I mean obviously my my like my big kind of thing was just like a lot of like the top guys like a lot of the guys that I felt like performed really really well um apart from like Ryan Rodriguez apart from Lauren Seymour 
I feel like a lot of those guys probably weren't going to be Hurricanes. I mean, you look at Leonard Taylor, Savion Collins is probably not going to end up in the class. I really like Dallas Turner, the linebacker out of St. Thomas Aquinas. I think that that's a, I think he's a ridiculous talent. And like, that's another kid that's probably not going to end up down here. Um, I did like Alan Hay and we, we were kind of, we were watching a couple of, of his reps against Lawrence Seymour and like Lawrence Seymour did look good against him. He kept him in front of him, but you know, he was definitely able to get some push on him. Like yeah, maybe in a game setting, it wouldn't have looked like uh, Leonard Se- uh, Lawrence Seymour really won that rep too much. But I mean, so that, that's a kid that could potentially be, that, that I could potentially get excited about. I really like the way that he moved. And again, yeah, like he's, he's obviously not perfect. He's a three-star prospect. I mean, there's still a, there's still a lot of time. He's technically still a junior in high school, so we're going to definitely see how he continues to develop. Um, but I thought that there's, I thought that there's a good amount of talent. I really like the, the like the secondary of the twenty two, the twenty twenty two class. I like Earl Little Jr. I think, I mean, that's obviously like someone that Miami's going to be really high on. The, the youngest Mullen brother is someone that a couple people I was talking to was was kind of suggesting was going to be the best out of the three brothers. His older brother played at Clemson. Now he plays for the Raiders. Uh, Taiwan, the second brothers at Indiana, and his and has been doing pretty well over there. Made some plays as a freshman, and they feel like Travell was probably going to be the best out of all of them. So I know that there's definitely some talent in these next couple of years. Um, so I just I'm, I'm excited. I know a lot of the guys were at the seven on seven in Houston, so I know not all of the Dade and Broward kids were there. But from what I saw, uh, you can definitely see that this is a pretty loaded couple classes in in South Florida and. Miami's Miami definitely has their work cut out for them. Um, I, I I don't know if there's any better way to put it. I know that they're gonna have to work for all the for all these kids down here. Um, some predictions of guys that I think end up in the class. Um, definitely Ryan Rodriguez. I think Ryan Rodriguez ends up ends up being a cane. Um, if Miami continues to pursue Allen Hay, I think that he's someone that can kind of fit the mold of of a Miami defensive tackle. Um, and then I'm kind of interested to see how it goes with with Jaden Hood. You know, that's a linebacker from St. Thomas Aquinas again. Got that that Under Armour All American Game invite. He does have a Miami offer. Um, I I wasn't in love with him. I didn't think that he was like super duper special or anything like that. But again, that was just my first time seeing him. I definitely am gonna have to turn on more tape about him. But I think that's a kid that I could potentially get excited about at the at the linebacker position. I'm one that really believes that linebackers pretty thin on this team and just with all the injuries now I think that just McLeod and Rigoni and, and Huff it's just it's, it's a little worrisome at the moment right now so um, I think linebacker is going to be an important position in these next couple of cycles so I want to see Jaden Hood but overall um, I mean yeah it's pretty much those are pretty much my, what I got out of Sunday uh, just got, got to continue to see how these kids develop I know there's a couple other kids there's a there's a defensive end from Shamanad that I really like number 14 I can't remember his name I think it's Kenyatta Jackson uh, yeah, I think that's what his name is, Kenyana Jackson, and that's a name that that um, a couple people around me were talking about that they feel highly on. And so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple kids out there that are that are still wait to, waiting to blow up that I think could soon. And you know, definitely stay tuned for this 2021 and this 2022 classes because they sh- they should be filled with a lot of talent. All right. Well, I'm gonna before you go, I'm gonna tell uh, our listeners to to make sure they follow you on Twitter at uh, Gabby Urrutia. It's U R R U T I A twenty two on Twitter, and and you know obviously you do a lot of good work for State of the U and the Storm Surge Pod. And uh, anything else to promote for you, Gabby? Before we let you go, no, that's, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that, that, that's that's where I'm at. All right, man. We'll see you about bringing you on more in the future. Um, thanks for coming on and, and being a part of this pod. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me on. To me, you had a, a good first week in the sense where you had a lot of players that, that looked like they bought into this effort in terms of playing with high motors, 
And that was sort of what Manny Diaz said on Friday when he talked to us. He talked about, uh, you know, just what he saw the first week and why he was encouraged. And I want to play that sound clip for you now. It was a really good week. Um, you know, four days out of five um, playing at the pace that we play at. Um, when, when in spring ball, you're, you're not going to have the depth and the numbers that you will have in the fall. Our guys, our guys are in good shape. Our guys have competed. Um, it's been hard. The coaches have been relentless in terms of uh, getting after them. Um, and the encouraging thing is I think they understand the expectation now of, of how we're going to play because this is not an offensive thing. This changes everything in your program. And uh, I think they're enjoying it. And I, and I think today's practice, we did some... We did some live work today, uh, full tackling to the ground. We did some move the ball situational stuff. And, and I think the guys are seeing, um, you know, there's a different edge about us. There's certainly a different edge about us offensively, and, and that will do nothing but get us better defensively. All right, so you heard what Diaz had to say uh, in terms of the effort. It was a good first week. But, Kelvin, I, I spoke to a couple of people that, that watched a few practices. It's my latest story on theathletic.com. Um, I spoke to a, a, a local coach and then somebody who's a talent evaluator um, regard, you know, who were at practice. They were able to watch things just to kind of get their opinions. And one thing the talent evaluator told me, you know, a year ago when he watched Miami during the spring, he said, nah, probably seven and five at most an eight win team. This time he's telling me they're a 10 win team. And mostly that's because of De'Aaron King and, and just how good he looks and what an amazing uh, passer he is. He's, he's turned out to be a better passer than, than you know, this talent evaluator thought he was. Um, because, you know, so much of his game was running the football at Houston, but the, the passing part of it is really good. And, and it's the way that he anticipates passes, uh, you know, and guys getting open and throwing to spots and letting his receivers beat the DB. Um, from what you've heard uh, week one, from talking to your folks and what you've read, what, what are your thoughts on, on Derek King and how he's fitting in here? 12-0. and 0. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but see, I was a little – I had an advantage over most of you guys, and I've, you know, I've talked to you about it. I've known about Derek since he was in the eighth grade because of uh, – one, I lived in Houston, but the guys that I were you – know, one of my good friends – and my, also another guy, a uh, former World League teammate of mine, they all went to high school with um, Derek's father, whose name was Derek King. Uh, and so he was his local 7-on-7 coach. And I had to hear about this kid, you know, when he was at Manville. And because, you know, Walt, the, the school they went to, Waltrip, there's a lot of pride. You know, Keenan McCardle played many years with the Jaguars, um, Another couple guys that have, you know, made the league. And there's just a crew of them. I, you know, those are my guys. And when he was at Houston, I, I, I knew about him. I mean, I saw the whole saga where they tried to make him a wide receiver. And the dad came and told uh, uh, the, the, the coach, hey, we about to move. And then they, they gave him a shot at quarterback, and the, the program took off. And I've been watching him. So I knew how good he was. And I was actually – you know, surprised when he redshirted last year. So um, I knew he was going to change. And then, you know, talking to the kid, you know, he's, he's a different kind of kid than what we're used to and what we need in the quarterback room. And so he's elevated the sense of urgency amongst everyone on the offense. And then bringing in Garen Justice, 
has um that was like the best piece because his um his knowledge of the position the way he teaches it and his personality fit these kids so we're set up to do really well. Um, he, I, 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 I talked to him a little bit, you know, first couple of days, and he's excited about the talent that he that we have, and talking to a couple of kids, they're excited to be coached by him, and his um, his techniques and his uh, scheme fit what we have, and that's the most important part because I think, and I told him this, I said if you could take fifty seven and seventy five. And make them players. I personally, I'll put a gun to Manny's head and make him give you a raise because you earned it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of excitement. You know, I was watching some of the pressers you guys did with the players, and I mean, you know, guys staying after practice on their own and working on stuff. It's you know, it's it's a different kind of thing because I think they sense the same thing that I think some of you guys have seen in practice is that this could be a really special year. And this is, you know, a chance for them to turn the program around. And then also, a lot of these guys, it's their second year as starters. So now, it's a little different. It's like, nothing is new to them. You know, now they've been around the block, and so now they know what to expect. And instead of them, you know, anticipating what's going to happen and know what's going to happen and they can improve on the reactions and the results. Well, the talent evaluator I spoke to told me point blank that uh, John Campbell is the best offensive lineman that they have. And it's kind of surprising to hear that only in the sense that, you know, Zion Nelson was, was supposed to be that guy. He was your best offensive tackle last year. And now, you know, Campbell's taking all the first team snaps at left tackle and Zion's fighting for his life to, to, to remain in the starting lineup with Kylie on Herbert at right tackle. And, and so um, I, I know you like John Campbell. I know you've always liked John Campbell, but in terms of positioning and what you're hearing about the offensive line and what I've reported, what are your thoughts? I mean, are you, is this, how good is this a sign that John Campbell is, is spent the first week, you know, being the starting left tackle? Well, first of all, he is um, staying off social media. He spent, me personally, I think he spent too much time on social media last year. And there was, I don't know, I don't know if he picked up the offense um, as quickly as he should have. But from a talent standpoint, I liked when he got in there at left guard. He did a good job last year. He has the ability, and he's always wanted to be the left tackle. I think he maybe some of last year was he took it personal that he wasn't the left tackle. Zion, from what I understand, is also doing okay. He's in an adjustment period because he never played the right side last year, which I know you, you, you talked to Leslie early on, and he said, they don't want to move guys around. But you got to understand something. Footwork for the left side and the right side at tackle is totally different. And you got to get some work in at both sides. So this is actually good for Zion. Just like I told Ja'Kai that he needs to work when he gets his when he gets his chance. He needs to work as much as he can in the left-handed stance because he never really played in the left-handed stance before. So uh, usually in spring is when you get a chance to work out these kinks. But 
I think John Campbell can be an effective left tackle for us, especially with the technique that Garen is teaching. And I think Zion can be a good left or right tackle. Both of them can be good. And 57 has um, w- w- woken up and is, you know, he's in. he's got a puncher's chance to be the starter. But even if he isn't, I think that he's going to be in the rotation. He's been playing that good. So that's a good thing. Um, that means that Jalen Rivers is not thrust into action. You know, he's a little heavy. He's like 350, so he's got to lose some weight. And then Osman Treor has been playing good at left guard. So now you you got a 3-4 guard rotation with Big Boy. When, when Nervon comes back, you got Nervon, you got Scaife, you got Treor, you got Jakai because he played guard as well. You got two solid centers and Corey and uh, Jakai. And then you got Cleveland Reed also in the mix. So we've got some depth now. And we got a guy who's excited to work with him, and they're excited to work with him. So that's the most important part of this team right now because, you know, running this offense is nice, but if you can't protect your quarterback and run block, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. And one thing I was going to say in regards to the offensive line and some of the success they're having, Diaz pointed out on Friday just how much better they are running the football compared to last year. Obviously, the scheme has something to do with it. Uh, when you're spreading guys out, the defense isn't all in the box. And I think a lot of times last year, there were times when everybody was in the box. Um, but I think certainly the improvement that those offensive linemen uh, have made is noticeable in, in terms of the way that they're blocking and, and the way that they're being taught to block and combo block, etc. cetera. Um, but one guy who's shining because of that, uh, besides Cameron Harris, is Jalen Knighton, and and really, you know, the two guys I spoke with, the coach and the talent evaluator, told me that Jalen looks like the best running back on the team, and and obviously, everybody expects Cam Harris to be the starter. But in terms of who's got the most upside, who's got the highest ceiling, um, Jalen Knighton to them looks really good. In fact, the talent evaluator I spoke with compared him to Duke Johnson. He says the, that he reminds him a lot of Duke in terms of some of the things that he can do in space and in the open field. And um, I'm curious, Kelvin, you know, when you're talking to the kids, what, what's been their reaction so far to Jalen Knighton and how good he looks early on? Well, they're excited about all those freshmen. I mean, Knighton, the receivers. I haven't really seen much of Don Chaney because, you know, of the, the surgery, but um, the future's bright. And I think one of the, 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 the things about Knighton that, you know, you might want to pay attention to is that he has experience in picking up blitzes from the offense he ran in um, high school. So I'm interested to see how he does in pass block, pass protection because he's familiar with it. But I think now he just needs to, you know, fine-tune his techniques because if he can pass, pass protect, he'll get more reps. Mike, uh, Mike, you were uh, a guy worried about the offensive line. I'm curious as to what you're thinking now hearing these early reports about Miami actually having a running game in practice. I mean, I, I, I don't think the, the running back position was the big concern, right? But it is promising to hear that the entire run game is coming together with the offensive line. I think that's definitely a positive. I guess my only thing is we hear this all the time in spring practice, right? We always hear positives, what's going well, what's improving. 
Uh, and then when the season comes around, it's, you know, whether players forget their assignments or, or, or forget their techniques and everything they learned in the spring, it always kind of, you know, goes downhill from there. It, yes, it's promising. I just, I hopefully want to see more. And I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, Kelvin can, can talk more to this, but we, I, I'm hoping that the improvement is due to just more experience and more reps. Uh, I mean, because frankly, last year, it was an inexperienced line. So I, I'm hoping that the improvements is due to uh, the experience and getting more reps this spring. All right. Well, to me, these are all been solid sort of signs early on. But, you know, you're, you're right, Mike. I mean, in the end, uh, game day is what's really going to matter. Uh, we always hear this hype. And Manny Diaz acknowledged that. He says, you know, this is the springtime. It's like Major League Baseball. Everybody's got a chance. Uh, we got a long way to go before the season goes. But I think some of these early reports from spring practice, some of these early observations, um, and I encourage you guys that, that listen to the podcast but don't necessarily subscribe to The Athletic to check out the article I wrote. You can get a free trial and read it. But uh, just interesting to see some of the thoughts from from the coach and the talent evaluator who were there to, in person to able to watch practice. You know, the media, we're only allowed to watch about 20 minutes of drills and exercises, and then we got to get off the field. Um, these guys stuck around and watched them go through, you know, 11 on 11 work, et cetera, in pads and, and sh- you know, I, not just the shorts and, and, and helmets. They actually got to see them in pads. So I thought there were some good observations and thoughts from those guys. And, you know, one of their concerns was the secondary. And I know, Kelvin, you're not worried about it, but the town evaluator told me, uh, you know, he's a little worried about uh, the cornerbacks. He doesn't think Miami have elite, has elite cornerbacks, um, and he thinks teams are going to be able to throw on this defense. Again, Bubba Bolden's out. Um, and you got, uh, you know, some, some guys at linebacker out, and, and so the defense is not whole. But early on, first impressions were, hey, uh, the offense is ahead of the defense, and usually it's the opposite. Uh, when you hear that, Kelvin, you dismiss it easily and say, nah, don't worry about it? Yeah, no. Nah, first of all, they were bouncing guys around, ones and twos. Second of all, this is the first time these guys have really practiced against this type tempo. So, and, you know, with, you know, your combination kind of thrown around, uh, there's going to be some mistakes. But um, Al and DJ are going to be solid. I mean, on top of that, this is something else you got to understand. The front end and the back end are adjoined at the hip. So we got a great pass rush. Your corners, uh, if they press, they're not having to – you know, cover as long. I mean, you saw that with LSU. You know, they had good cover corners, and they had a good guy in uh, Kalevion Chason who could, you know, pass rush. So, and they had, you know, some, some nice blitz packages. So what happens is because you're putting pressure on the quarterback, he can't hold the ball, your corners don't have to cover as long. And you saw that with um, – with um, Clemson as well. Um, Alabama, you know, they had an up and down year because their pass rush was suspect. But Al and um, Ivy are going to be fine. And Takori Couch is the sleeper. Um, he's going to have a good year. He's, he's got natural ball hawk skills. But I'm excited about this secondary because – just like I said about earlier about guys being in their second year, look, they saw a lot thrown at them last year. They're not going to be guessing as much because 
they've been around the block once. And Al is a smart guy, watches a lot of film. Ivy's a naturally gifted kid. Um, they're both going to be all right. All right. Well, I, I want to wrap up the show now uh, with an interview I did with Demarcus Van Dyke. He's one of the assistant recruiting directors. Just because it's one of the stories, the new stories that I'm going to be posting soon at The Athletic. And, and essentially what I did, Kelvin, was – uh, speak with with all three guys in the recruiting department, um, you know, including Edwin Pata, who's another uh, assistant director, and then uh, Coach Cooney, who who's been with the program for a while, David Cooney, um, about kind of the way that they've changed the recruiting department within the last year. Uh, the story will be out soon on theathletic.com. We're recording this here at, around lunchtime on Wednesday, March thirty, uh, March eleventh, rather. Uh, so you can check out that article soon. Uh, but for now, here's the interview that I had with Demarcus Van Dyke. When you think back to when you know you guys first sort of took over, what was what was the place like back then when you know when you guys first started doing this? Well, you know, before it was kind of like it was it was ran a a, a, a good way. I don't want to bash somebody. It was ran a good way, you know. Uh, it was kind of more like a, a scouting type system, you know, a scouting, a scouting, a scouting uh, type of department. But, you know, because DSC ones, you know, have a a more personal relationship when when a kid come on campus, then you know, have the guys like you know, the kids be like we have a relationship with the guys, such as you know, I I I relate to the DBs, linebackers, uh, defensive linemen, and things like that. So them guys come on campus, they know who we are, and just be that that middle that boy between the coaches and the players. So the coaches, you know, they're grinding the road. The kids, don't, it don't be a, a dead period where they don't hit for anybody. And and I guess, I mean, this was all Diaz is doing. Like, he want, he wanted to make these changes, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. And and it was that something that you think that was that was leading to failure before? I mean, I know you don't want to rip the previous guy. That's not what I'm trying to do. Was that an issue where... It was hurting you guys getting kids, and now maybe taking this approach has really helped or made a difference. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think just having have more contact on the kids as possible. Uh, just hit them all type of ways, you know, from the recruiting department, the coaches, everybody. Just to, just to have as many as I have as many communication with the kids as possible is, is, is the key. When you remember being recruited to Miami as a player, did you have as I mean, was there as much contact with people as there is now, or, or is it much less? Oh, I think it was much less when I was coming out. You know, I dealt with, you know, when I was coming out, I dealt with Coach Shannon, uh, Coach Tim Walton, those the two main guys, point, uh, two main guys of contact that I was, was involved with. You know, I, I knew, I knew Coach Shannon from growing up in Liberty City and growing up, you know, just him and my uncle, Vincent Hall was like best friends. So I was always, you know, uh, growing up, our brother Coach Shannon had pictures like that. So I knew that, I knew him from then, but it was just Coach Shannon and Coach Walton was the two guys I spoke with compared to now, like, Guys come on campus, you know, they, they know who, like, the GAs, QC, the recruiting department, everybody. Everybody's involved in it and, and being friendly yeah. and, and welcoming. Do, yeah. do you think Do you think ultimately that that's what helped you guys survive the 6-7 and seven season in terms of recruiting where you guys were still able to recruit a top 15 class and still get a really good group to come in? Uh, yes, I think, you know, this. There's those kids talking to everybody and hearing the same message, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. things are going to change, you know, we need you guys to come in and help us out. And that's just, you know, that's what's reassuring. They just keep hearing over and over from different voices, you know, here from me, here from Coach Coney, Coach Tata, you know, uh, Coach Diaz, you know, Coach Rump, all those guys just keep hearing those, hearing the same thing 
for those guys. Kind of like it was kind of reassuring for some of those guys. They kind of everybody stuck with us. And, and then obviously the uh, the group chat felt like it was a big deal. And Coach Cooney said that he was really you're and his ideas together, like to 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 put these guys the commitments all together, and then to kind of keep the decommitments out. Like try to you know try to make them feel like this bond. And it feels like, you know, from talking to the kids myself, like when I went up and I interviewed Tyler Van Dyke up in up at his school in Connecticut, he talked about that, like just the bond that the guys felt. How proud are you of that idea? And I guess what 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 gave you that idea? Well, you know, that's the, the big thing is I'm very proud of the idea, you know, that Cooney, Cooney came up with, you know, it was kind of like something like, you know, hey, man, you know let's, let's keep these guys together because when they get here, they'll be together and this, the, the longer – they're knowing each other, they talk to each other, better yet for us in the long run, you know. And I think us being in the group chat with those kids, you know, just talking to them all day like that, just kind of talking to us like that, you know, just when we lose and we go on a group chat, you know, talk to hey man, you know, that's steady stuff, you know, that's block out the noise. And them hearing it from the coaches and from us in a group chat, it kind of like helps us out a lot, you know, just always, you know, just always talk to each other, you know, about boxing together. Like a guy in that group chat was very vocal. Was Tyler Van Dyke? He was always like, "Hey man, guy, we gonna get the same role when we get there." You know, that's that's for the process. That's don't waver anything like that. He was one of the the MVPs in that group chat that kept it all together. Him and Corey Flag, and Lee Austin K. All those guys was like main guy that kept everybody on the same page. And you know, if you and they, they said it a, a few times in that group chat, like, "Hey, if you don't want to buy into what we got going on, get out." And they made sure if you didn't want to buy in, they'll make sure they're they're removed from the group chat. Man, those guys were very. Very, very serious about that group chat, man. It's almost like you gave them ownership of it, of being a hurricane. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And and uh, obviously you did have a couple guys decommit, and I, and I talked to Coach Cooney about everybody. Like, we broke down everybody that they recruited, kind of what were the keys to it, and then I talked to Coach Pot a little bit about kind of what happened with um, the D lineman who, who, who went to Auburn or, you know, kind of parted with you guys at the last minute. What did what do you think DVD you guys took away from everything you learned in your first year that maybe is going to help you in in 2021, 2022, and the years ahead? I think you know the biggest thing. The biggest thing I, I, I took from it is that like this relationship with each kid's parents is, is the key. You know, because in the day those the parents have a huge say so on this kid where they're going. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you could, I can talk to the kid to his face turning blue, but if I don't talk to the, the parent, it's pointless. And I'm just this. Um, my first job, I first got the, the recruiting job, you know, I, I made sure that I you know, got the, the parents by talking to the kids. And these kids, like, nothing, like, you, the kids, they just wanted to talk to and just have communication. Like, they don't want no great ever be black and be, be transparent with these kids. And they, that's the key, man, to be transparent, talk to the parents, and everything is good. Yeah, Pata told me that, um, yeah, actually, I think it was Cooney about Avante Williams. That your relationship with him was really, really special. I guess of the guys that you were involved with, who did you think you had the biggest hand in? Uh, I think the thing I had the, the biggest hands. I probably say I've been on the. I've been. Okay, I got a job in seventeen, and I me and Avante kind of click like that. You can kind of click. You know, I kind of understand the situation. And we talk pretty much probably twice a week, even just about life. You know, he's a question about the NFL. You no, know, I like football, and I just talk to him about this about. About, about life, but sometimes these kids they get tired of about recruiting in school. Cause I, cause I actually I understand it, cause I was recruited once, so I understand like, hey man, they don't want to talk about recruiting all day. They want to talk about life, like okay, like Bunte, he had two kids, he want to talk about his daughter, like things like that. You know, mm-hmm. I think Bunte was, was a guy that you know I was kind of like, I was big in, you know, cause he was. I kind of look at my little brother, cause when he, when he called, it was nine times of ten. It was my football. It was about, hey man, I need help with this. Like, I need help. Like, okay, tell me about this situation, right? Like. 
how the NFL is, how this work, you know, I got this, my baby, you know, she's this, oh, she's, she's turning one, you know, she's sleep that night, things like that. He wanted to talk about things other than football, and I can, I can relate to that, you know, just being recruited in. And it kind of like, I guess, kind of won him over at the end. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it, it felt like that recruitment of that kid started, what, in, in the ninth grade or eighth grade? When did you guys yeah. really start recruiting him? Yeah, because, yeah, because him and Coach Dunham, they was well as, was kind of like the key, you know, mm-hmm. him and Coach Dunham, they've been together since like eighth grade, you know, so and I, I came in as, as, a, as a junior year, and we just we just clicked, and he, that, that kid, he's going to be special, man. Yeah, and, and and so much of this is sort of group recruiting, though. Like nobody, there really aren't many examples, I guess, of guys who kind of handled handled that kid all by themselves. Although, I, I guess um, the, the the receiver kid that you guys were able to get from California, like Keyshawn Smith, that was Coach Field, pretty much all him, right? Yeah, Coach Field got him that. He got that one. He pretty much got that kid down here, which was a, which is, he, he looked real good right now in doing Matt drills and just doing things like that. Yeah, I, I was curious, wondering. Um, you know, which 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 is maybe the best story in your eyes of a group recruiting effort, you know, of a guy that it took so many people to be involved to really get him to come in. Is there is there a story, you know, among the guys in the twenty twenty class that is your favorite? Uh I'd probably say the the story that we that a kid that we got or we didn't get. No, a kid that you did get, yeah. Okay. I I probably said a bunch of, you know, that's like like it was up and down. Like we it was mm-hmm. parts but we thought was out of it. You know, as far as we thought, was like, we was like, man, we got to start this kid. Then, part of it was like, damn, we just cannot come here. But you know, like, we as, as a collective, as a, as a staff, you know, we stayed on that kid, you know, from Coach Diaz all, all the way down to, you know, myself. You know, we just always keep that kid up, talk to him. You know, we just fill them out, and at the end of the day, man, we end up coming out with the victory. And uh, that was one of the biggest. That that went not part to Isaiah Dawson. Isaiah Dawson was kind of was was kind of interesting as well because. I reached out to him and he was he wasn't replying, replying. Then I finally got contact with him. We talked like 15, 20 minutes, and then him and Rump talked, and it was kind of like, "Hey man, I, I like you guys. You guys are solid individuals, man." So I think him, Isaiah Dawson, and Monte was kind of like the most interesting uh, and very very good recruiting battle we had. Yeah. Were there any kids that you were really scared of losing late? Um. Yeah. How proud are you of what you guys accomplished considering the six and seven and, and how, how bad the season sort of ended on the field? Because I think all of us were a little surprised, you know, that you guys were able to you know, finish with a top fifteen recruit. That's not easy to do coming off a season like that. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud. You know, it's very just the, the gosh. We, we set our goals as a staff. You know, the finish top fifteen. You know, regardless of what the record is on football, to finish top fifteen and kept up and, and be ready recruiting. You know, um, it was a it was basically the staffs. It was a staff of a company. You know, everybody had their hands into it. You know, from from um, Coach Cooney, Coach Pata, Will Wilson. She all she does an awesome job. You know. Coordinate the business, you know, all the kids come on campus, the parents, they love her, she's got a great personality, she's great, everything she does, you know, and just, it was, it was, it was very positive situation, it was good. Just to overcome what we went on the field and then finish on recruiting. Who was a guy that maybe you guys put the most effort into recruiting that you weren't able to get, that he went somewhere else? Um, 
you know, the guy that you guys maybe the most years that you went after or whatever. Because obviously, Avante, you guys recruited since eighth grade. I wonder if there were any other guys that were really, you know, as long as him. Uh, most effort, longest. Uh, no, nah, I think that was because you know we only recruit kids for a certain amount, of, but we can only really see what they until their junior year. So I think every kid had that same amount of time. You know, but a bunch of just always come around as right. an credit because he was all oh, he was so so close. Right. So so there's no other guys who were recruited quite as long as he was, and he was committed uh, like what? What was he committed? The ninth grade or something? Yeah, ninth grade. Yep. How do you guys feel about that now? Like taking ninth grade commitments or tenth grade commitments? Oh man, you know it's it's, 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 it's uh it's, it's part of the game, now, man. You you don't want to tell a kid no, but you know sometimes you have to. You, you want to tell a kid no, man. That's that, that's the biggest thing, man. Because you never know that kid will turn out to be a a huge guy along long like, down the line, and you told him that night, but it's not even come to you. But then again, you don't want to you don't want to tell a kid you you but you but you want to accept it too because. You never know the teammate grow up and be a five star guy as a as a thing. So I have my mixed feelings on it. You see what I'm saying? So right, right, right. I'm wondering uh, how curious. I'm curious because you know these these recruiting websites. You know they have the rankings and the player rankings, and then they also list you know who you guys have offered and you know who who are the the main targets and so forth. When you guys do you ever look at those lists to see how how close they are to what it is that you guys really have on your own board, because Coach Cooney talked to me about how you guys kind of have your own board, you know, and and your own list of names. But I'm wondering how often it's really as close as it as it as it is, you know, on the internet. Uh, I, I, I really don't be knowing what the guy on the internet guy. I don't know what the two for seven guys. Yeah, Actually, I really don't know what their board looking like. You know, cause I just. I don't, um, I don't be the message boy, thing like that. I really don't know how that boys look. I can't get, I can't Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess I just wondered, like, you know, for the most part, it, it's pretty clear to figure out who it is you guys are recruiting, you know, based on, I guess, who you're following on Twitter and who you guys are. Uh, oh, oh, like that, yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. They, they, those guys are kind of, they be on it, man. I, I don't know what they, they know, but they be on it, man. They be, they be <laughs> following who we following, you know, and. They be having a, a good idea of what's going on, you know, just by who we follow, mm-hmm. what the kids say in articles and things like that, just the number-wise and how many guys are going to take this year. Yeah. They be definitely- yeah, they, they, they're they on it. They do their homework for sure. And what's a typical day like for you guys? You know, when you when you go home, do you keep recruiting or, or does it end once you leave the office? Oh, man, I, I, I recruit all day. You know, that's, that's something I take pride in, you know, trying to get these guys here, man. You know, my, Sean Spence and... Uh, Sean Spencer, Allen Bailey, those guys, like, my, two of my best friends, they, they always tell me, man, you've been recruiting since we was in high school, you know, Bailey style, I got Miami and Sean said, I got him to Miami, so, those guys, I, I recruit all day, and I feel like I, I recruit all, I, I recruit, I recruit, I recruit all day, it's just morning time, you know, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, see what's going on with these kids, you know, hit them up, you know, just talk to them, just relationships outside of football, cause, in the day, you never know what goes on. All right, so that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. For Gabby Uhrutia from State of the U, Kelvin Harris, and my producer Mike Zimmerman, we will talk to you guys next week. Surge, surge. Kane's cartel coming through. Tell me what these other teams going to do. Orange or green.